got it. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm Luke Campbell. You reckon we'd have this sorted by now. And I work for a uh, small wine company. And he's Luke Morris. And I feel very distracted for some reason. And together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk all things wine and booze, sometimes popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hi, Campbell. What's on the show this week? Well, would you believe it? This is our final episode of the season. This is the penultimate episode because there's always more. This is season three, episode 20, season finale. So we have got for you a fun-filled episode. We're going to reveal the hottest 100 and break down what our audience has been drinking. We're going to have a uh, regular listener question, actually, and talking kind of ground we've semi-covered before, but wine epiphanies. I don't know if we've gone down the epiphany road, but it rings true uh, because we had a couple of those conversations on the weekend, and then we'll rehash what we've been drinking because Murray and I had our Luke's Talk Wine Christmas party on the weekend, so we'll reveal what was swallowed but first and i don't swallow anyway keep going <laughs> first and as always we ask the pertinent questions and that is luke morris what has been happening in your wine world this week pal you know what i was just listening to the, what you were saying there and i thought let's that show plan is a good plan but what if we do it in the complete reverse order Love it. So, so Love we it. talk. We talk about what we had on the weekend. We answer Shieldsy. You told me it was Shieldsy's question, yep. and then we 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 finish the show with the uh, hottest one hundred wine. Love it. Turn it on its ear. Boom. Yeah. But awesome. I, I suppose that that's all planned. So I I can. How about the other thing? We promised to. Well, you promised to deliver a um, Goundry unwooded Chardonnay. I promised to deliver. Absolutely. And uh, like the postman, I couldn't deliver. <laughs> what happened with that? Was it, was it the delivery issue? Or did, did, did you think you could find it and then it turned out that it wasn't findable? This unfindable. So oh. I, had, I had supposedly secured the bottle, went to collect it from uh, said liquor outlet. No bottle. Oh, but, you know, I'd secured it. Oh, yeah, but you hadn't paid for it. No problems. All right. We'll just get one. No, can't get one. Other stores? No, can't get one. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. How in demand is this product? Well, that's it, you know. So uh, I just thought, no, nah, forget it. The world needs less Goundry Unwooded Chardonnay. I'm no longer doing it. So I thought but it, still would be, it still would be great, and we'll do this in the future, audience, listeners, is uh, Lukey and I, Mori and I, will get a bottle and taste live on air because I think it's really interaction, really great interaction to see not only how we taste but what we think of a wine that you may or may not have had before. But so, oh well, look, we can talk about that with, with wines we had at dinner because there might be one of those or lunch. There might be one of those that people have had. But uh, we did try to get a bottle and um, handle on the bag that I was carrying. Just decided that uh, maybe I, I don't recall myself being very sweaty that day. And, and the long-time listeners to my things will know that I have uh, a disorder where I sweat way too much. My hands cut through paper like glass. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, um, glass can cut through paper like a knife. There you go. 
There Very you go. Walking like a along. knife through butter. I know what yeah. you mean. Walking along, it just sort of went, no, sir, I'm not getting, I'm not holding up this weight anymore. And uh, smash bang. Anyway. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au. L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Do you think there's any chance that uh, what what percentage of our audience might have had one of these wines we had for lunch, do you think? Is there any chance that they were pretty unique? Uh, They were all pretty unique. And the wines that we're referring to are actually up on our Instagram. Uh, We had several wines were shared and imbibed, uh, white, end of the red variety um but no i don't think there was any run-of-the-mill wines i i know you're disappointed there was no semion and no riesling however there was <laughs> Blanc, uh and there was some hunter there was some spanish there was uh there was an italian yep there was an australian but there was no boss of shiraz let's go through them so um Oh, do you want to do you want to play some sort of game with this? Do you want me to do you want me to name the wines and you can? Do you want to give a score out of ten? Do you want to give a uh, a wine that uh, it made you think of? You know, a more generic wine. Is this, is yes. this something that is there something that's the that game I want to play? So you one? call it out and you give me and I'll give you a wine or a style that it, it reminded me of. Absolutely. Okay. All right, cool. Well, the first wine we we had at lunch and it was a lovely lunch at. Uh, one trick pony, yes. Uh, improve the paper bags, please. But apart from that, everything else was tippity toppity. <laughs> um, uh, it was a Grenache Blanca, uh, La Sierra Blanca from uh, Hacienda Artes in the Terra Alta of Spain. It was 2018 yes. Grenache Blanc from the high country of Spain, absolutely. Yeah. And I actually, I, you had me thinking there because I, I love this wine. This was the first wine we opened up with the afternoon and we had been talking um, uh, on the previous episode about Grenache Blanc actually and just, you know, what about it basically. Um, yeah. And you had to bring I bought one. this wine because I, I actually was planning to bring it for a long time and then you started talking about it last last week's episode and I was like, oh, wow, this is this is stars are aligning. This is good. The stars are aligning, but you had me thinking about it. And it, without further ado, it just had all this kind of oiliness and salinity that reminded me uh, of it, it. You know, it remind, the salinity in it reminded me of Chablis. But I picked it. Did I? I picked it as Grenache Blanc, um, <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was so lovely. It had Hang this on. oiliness on the back pack, pack palette, but it reminded me of Chablis. However, to be, to be fair though, when I gave the options of is this wine from Spain, Italy, or France, uh, nobody picked Spain. No. So I'm, I'm, I know you picked it as Grenache Blanc in the end, but everyone, it, it's it's such a unique thing that everybody was, was kept aiming at different different points. Mm. Um, but you got me thinking about where it was from, Terra Alta. So yeah. I, actually, I went home and went on a bit of a deep dive and Terra Alta is like south of Barcelona, uh, yep. inland, inland from Tarragona. So it's high country, 
it's quintessential Catalonia. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably moderated a fair bit by you know the the, the coast and the, the sea there uh, on the east coast of Spain. But um, yeah, north inland of the Ebro Valley, but kind of a medieval settlement. But this was just lovely from Catalonia, and I really I really loved it. But it reminded me initially, it reminded me of Chablis. Yeah, and it has has a Chablis vibe around it. But the um, this and the uh... The, the wine that they sold just below this level, all the Grenache Blancs, really, really good value wines. Because if you're thinking that this is like a Chablis, and at the moment you're paying Chablis 50 to $100 awesome. quite easily. Oh, easily. Um, you, can, you can get these. Well, you can get the wine below this one for somewhere around the $20, $25 mark. Um, and they're, they're great stuff. I mean, Grenache Blanc, you know, live your life, people. Get some. Try some. Mm. I know. What, what did we have with this? What was the food pairing with this? Was the food it pairing uh, was oysters. Yeah. I think that worked. Yep, absolutely. Um, Next cat off the rank. Next cat off the rank. Next cab off the next rank. Off next the rank. cat. I suppose if you're constructing cats on a rank, maybe it's like uh, elves making little toy Stuff to cats for anyway. Uh, Puripan Suave, the 2020 La Roca. Wow, this was, um, this was Riesling like for me. Yeah. Um, I was kind of headed towards Alsace with this wine, it had a real, um, kind of a drive to it. Pirapan, and, and so I actually picked it as a, as a field blend from Alsace. I was going like probably, you know, the, the, the white varieties, the Pinot Blanc, Silvana with a splash of Riesling, but in fact it was nothing like that. Yep. It was a straight oak age Garanega. <clears throat> yeah, and, um, and I, I want to pat myself on the back, only in a little bit because uh, a friend of ours, Greg, was there as well. We both saw the bottle, saw the capsule, saw the shape of it I mean we sort of stared at each other for a second just thought oh, I reckon I know what that is and each time we t- I tasted it I was thinking oh it might not be but then I just thought, kept coming back saying there's just so much about Suave that, that I just think this is it and it was it's yeah very distinct this this is this is a game of play the bottle where you, the bottle gave a bit away to it it really did. But, uh, the, the Veneto, you know, also famous for producing Amarone and Valpolicella, but the white wine is in fact Suave and the, the La Rocca is just such a standout wine. It's, you know, it starts life very chiselled, but then it just fills out. Um, yeah, single single site, Garganega, amazing. It was. But the, that brings us across to another single. This is single site, isn't it? The Lakes Folly. Yep. Uh, Hill Block 2011. 2011, Campbell. Terrible vintage. There was no good wines made in 2011. We discussed this at the dinner. We did. No good wines, 2011. Uh, explain yourself for bringing this. So this is actually the very first vintage of Lakes Follies Hill Block. Uh, it's from uh, their best portion of vineyards uh, right in the middle of their oldest part Chardonnay site and it is very very distinctive and I brought it because one we never ever see 10 year old domestic Chardonnay here two if we do if we are lucky enough to see it from the Adelaide Hills or Victoria's high country 
you're never going to pick it. It's always coming from a cool climate. It's not going to come from a warm climate. Well, people say it's never going to come from a warm climate. Um, and this this wine, um, it's not unmistakably hunter by any means. Um, you know, you guys were playing the man in me and and, and picking it as kind of an aged semion in some case. But well, it had a did really- have a semiony aromatic to it. Well, it, then the, the, the palate was throwing us off. It had a real kind of citrus aroma, and from an eleven-year-old Chardonnay, it was still so youthful. Yep, love it. Beautiful. But what a win. the challenge that we were throwing was two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Yeah, well, yeah, go on. Yeah, two thousand eleven. Obviously, very very difficult vintage in 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 Australia or in the Southern Hemisphere, actually New Zealand included. But in fact. The Hunter and the polar opposite, Margaret River, had really great years in 11 um, yep. for both whites and reds, actually. Um, and, you know, people often just tar it with the same brush. That was it. And I don't think – I think we were all sort of thinking that when we were trying to pick the year on it. Um, but you gave us some years, I think it was 2015, 2011, 2007. And yep. myself and – Rosie, who was there, both picked eleven because the other two would. It was either going to be. It was either looking amazingly good to be two thousand and seven, or overdeveloped for two thousand and fifteen. But Rosie and I were both thinking, but two thousand eleven was a dud year, and this is a really good wine. Yeah, and uh, they they made you know there was a bottle number on it. They literally made a number of bottles, and on the back label it had written. Will seller for five years. And oh yeah, I remember that. This is bottle number two hundred and ninety-eight. That's a yeah. photograph there. And uh, yeah, it was just spectacular white wine. That, that was, was that, that was funny. It night. was it was in screw cap. So every every time I see wine in screw cap, people are like, "Oh, maybe five years." It's going to go five years easy. Screw cap is uh, carbon stasis for wine. It, it it does wonders. It does. Um. I'm not going to go for the next wine that we actually tasted. I'm going to go for the next wine that we probably should have tasted because we should have then had the company wine Nebbiolo 2017 from Beechworth. And this really perplexed me. I th- th- This could have been a Beaujolais for me, yeah. like something um, uh, Cab Mac, something carbonic macerated. Sonberg Gamay got thrown up there when we were talking about what it could have been. Yes, um, that was. And what what did um, one of our other cohorts mentioned the Punt Road Gamay as well. And it had that real kind of cola cherry thing going on. But then as the as the wine kind of relaxed and opened up, you got this really lovely tannin structure. And it was just a um, it was a real quizzical wine, wasn't it, Maury? It was. It didn't quite. It didn't seem Nebbiolo ish. To me, uh, until like you see it, until you find out that it's Nebbiolo, and then you start seeing all the things. But the palette just wasn't big and heavy. I was just wondering how they'd gone about producing this wine and not making it. I don't know. It didn't didn't seem classically Nebbiolo. Oh, well, maybe, maybe that's just me and my naivety. You know a lot more about Italian grapes than yeah. I do. Uh, no, I would hazard a guess it wasn't classical Nebbiolo um, because it was made in such a, a fresh, vibrant style. 
Yep. And but for those who aren't aware of carbonic maceration, it's a technique that's used by the winemakers, um, particularly in Beaujolais. But what that is, it's basically a, it's a form of whole bunch fermentation when the whole clusters are used in the actual fermentation. Um, and it, it throws up these kind of key fruit-driven flavours, basically. But you have to, you throw in those... It's great for brightening up low tannin wines, but when you do it with Nebbiolo, it seems it, it really mucks with the actual tannin structure. But this was dark. It was heavily cherry fruited. It had this cola thing going on. Um, yeah, I guess it started out. It didn't look like Nebbiolo. It did as it warmed up. It did though. Yeah. That was a really interesting. I'd, I'd, I'd love to um... actually. That's. That's probably the wine. Well, it's actually the last wine we tasted, so it probably makes sense, and it's the wine I I probably thought the least about, um, and it's probably the one that I want to go back to the most because I want to like I I just didn't I I didn't really get it. I didn't, I, I just was confused by it, but I, I I want to try it again because I knew it was good wine. It just it wasn't classical suave. It wasn't great Chardonnay. It wasn't. Grenache Blanc, it was just something unique compared to the others. Yeah, um, and I think we, we probably ended up, you know, you, you, your palate's tired after five, oh, yeah. six, seven wines as well, but we probably end up analysing the maybe the way the wine was made rather than really getting down on the actual wine itself. Yeah. No, I, I reckon it's a great revisit or a visit if you haven't already visited Company Wines Nebbiolo. Um Who's the next one? That let's go with the wine that I picked, the Morris O'Shea, the 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 Mount Pleasant, okay. uh, Hunter Valley Shiraz, two thousand and eleven. This was your wine. Yep. Tell yeah, us well, about this, it. This, this is this is a piece of Venus history. It's always lovely to share these wines. I, I think this is a, an iconic Australian. Shiraz from Australia's old, one of Australia's oldest um, Shiraz producers, and it's certainly Australia's oldest region in, in the Hunter. But the Mariso Shade, it's kind of, it's a dead set icon and named after its namesake, obviously, Mariso Shea, who was one of the first uh, French winemakers. And it's still, it still has French winemakers? Maurice O'Shea. So he was he was our first French winemaker to come out. He was. He was the first one. O'Shea doesn't sound like a very French name. No, he actually he had a he had a Irish father and a French mother, funnily enough. Ah. Okay. Um uh, I lost my train of thought there. We were no, no. talking. About. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll throw out that. Yeah, again, this is another 2011. I remember smelling it and thinking, gee, there's something really familiar about this wine. And I was like, Shiraz, Brossa Shiraz, but I didn't think it was Brossa because there was something else darky about it. And someone said, you said that uh, we've, we've probably tasted a version of this wine before, which is where I went straight to, well, what have we had in history? Why is it familiar? Oh, it's that. You know, it wasn't like it's Rockford Basket Press. It's not Ringerie. It's not any of those things. It's it's the Morris O'Shea. But yeah, that was that. The thing that was the thing that I was thinking Boss Shiraz 
because I was thinking Shiraz and just there's some winemaking influence there. But that darky, I want to say leathery fruit, but it's not leather fruit. But you know what I'm saying. There's that hunter fruit was yeah. in there. It's, it's that, yeah, that's that dried earth, um, you know, under dried undergrowth. Absolutely. You know, like, um, and it's, it's just the, 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 uh, uh, it's, yeah, it just encapsulates the epitome of hunter. Like, I, I think, you know, Maurice O'Shea, the man, is recognized as probably the, the founding father of modern Australian winemaking. Max, you know, he inspired the likes of, Max Schubert, uh, Dr. Max Lake at Lakes Folly. Like, it, it, so he is an icon and the wine uh, lead, still leads the way. It's a straight Shiraz. It's made from the best material, but it has this, Murray's right, it has this particular note which comes off the vineyard and it's that s- sooty soil, um, you know, yeah, earthenware, terracotta kind of note. Um, and it doesn't matter what year it's from, whether it's from 11 or 2000 or 2009, it just always has this uh, note. Um, and, yeah, that, 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 that was, was the other thing. Being a 10-year-old wine, didn't look it. Didn't look 10 years at all. No. i tell you something that I – and I really love this one, but as at the end of the evening, I was actually thinking – Gee, it's, it's actually wasn't showing as great as I really hoped. The last one we had, well, actually, it wasn't the last, but the last one that we'll mention, Regal, a Coroti Brun et Blonde. How do, you, how do you say that? How do you say that correctly? Brun et Blonde. Oh, I did say it right. Brun yeah. et Blonde. The Coroti Brun et Blonde Vineyard from Grigal. That was, this was 2015. The brown and the white. So... You 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 buried the lead there. You don't reckon that was showing as good as what it should? No, because I thought the palate, the nose. We were, we were going back to it, discussing how every time you smell it, you're smelling something different. It's it's constantly evolving each time we we, we went and had a sniff, <laughs> and and that was great. But for me, the palate, the the palate rate didn't have the same length as. The more so show with the other ones, and I, I don't know. I, some of that for me was just thinking. I thought the 2015 should be looking a lot more fresher than it is. I'm not sure. Great wine. Mm. I just, I just was like, oh. You, you were hoping for more. I don't know. Just on the palate, I think. Yeah. But the nose was giving us so much. But what did you think of it? Yeah, no, I um. I really uh, enjoyed the wine. I, I'd had the wine before, not the 15. I had had that a wine from that vineyard before a long while ago, I must admit. So it was a long time between drinks, pardon the pun. But mm-hmm. it, 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 I just found that the, the inkiness and the way it ebbed and flowed in the glass, it kind of evolved and then closed down. And those great single vineyard wines of the world, it's Cote Roti, so it's got a splash of Viognier in it. Yep. And it was quite lifted, so it was initially very, very perplexing. Uh, you had to kind of um, yeah. When you mentioned Coroti as a as a potential option, my brain immediately went, "Oh, the colour, that brightness in the colour. That's that's a little splash of Viognier in there." Yeah, um, yeah. So I was quite enamoured by it. you know its inkiness, its coffee characteristic, its Chinese master stock thing going on. Um, I I really enjoyed it, um, and I'm not, and I don't know if I'm 
speaking out of turn here, I'm not a huge fan of Shiraz Vionia. Um, but maybe I haven't had enough of it over the journey. Um, I love Rhone wines. I love Shiraz. Obviously, I was born in the Hunter. I've got Shiraz running through my veins. Don't kind of <laughs> at me and say, oh, you're a Shiraz hater. That's not true. Uh, I'm just not quite in. I haven't got my head around Shiraz Vionia. Well, I think you're wrong because Shiraz Vionia is great. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, that's I, right. I, that's, you know, Luke's talk wine, it's all about having an opinion. And, and you know, if we all like And this is wrong. Things, and you're wrong. Really boring. Do you know what, though? Of all these wines we've just mentioned, none of them, I've just had a look, none of these made the hottest 100. None of them. None of Not them. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not uh, even made Grenache Blanc somewhere. No. None. Nada. Nada. I don't even think any of the wineries got mentioned, let alone the wines. <laughs> well, absolutely amazing. Well, we'll talk, should we talk about the hottest 100 or should we answer um, a late question from Shieldsy? Let's throw Shieldsy's question under the bus and then get on to the 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. Let's do it. So Shieldsy writes, as an avid listener to all things Luke's Talk Wine, I'm really interested in your epiphany wine, Luke Morris and Luke Campbell. If you had an individually epiphany wine, Luke Morris, over to you. No, I think we sort of discussed this. I got into the wine industry as a, as a job and it fuels my ability to do other things. Um, it's a trade. Uh, um, when something's different, I, I'd start taking interest. Like uh, uh, Didier Dagenau, Sad Blanc. That's unique and that was really interesting. And um, even what's the Tococo? You know. Oh, yeah, Cloudy Bay, Oak Age, Savvy. Yeah. Yep. That's really interesting. I, I didn't, but I didn't get into the industry with an, an epiphany. No, I'm sorry to disappoint. Uh, I can tell you one of my epiphany wines, and that was uh, a Bordeaux wine, and it was Domaine de Chevalier. It actually doesn't come from a traditional Cabernet country, so to speak. It actually comes from Pessac, um, which is south of Bordeaux. It's we used to be called Graves, but yeah, this is Cabernet and it was just, you know, it's dominant Cabernet, Merlot and Petit Bordeaux and some other stuff, but it's just delicious. It's um, it's still great today, actually. They produce white and red, Domaine de Chevalier, and they generally okay things. But for me, I, I just, I was, I've always loved Cabernet and I, I, I grew up in a house where my, my father collected traditionally those older Australian um, famous brands and they were either Shiraz or Cabernet based because that in those days that was all you drank. But for me, this Cabernet just just lit up the room when I tasted it. Like it was unlike any other red wine because obviously I'd grown up on Shiraz that I'd actually tasted at all. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the vintage. I just remember looking at the label and thinking, wow, this is ancient absolutely ancient who was uh, it again the main de chevalier the main oh, the bordeaux yeah yeah it was oh. bordeaux. it just layers of fruit and fragrance and florals and earth and it just had everything from boysenberries to wild sage to lead pencils it was just it was characteristics that i'd never tasted and that yeah the it was just amazing the angels started to sing 
Oh. <laughs> uh, and I'd never tasted anything like it. Uh, I did collect it for a while now, but it's uh, as a Grand Cru Class A wine, it's no longer affordable to collect. Oh. Um, but it's still delicious, uh, and it's still one of my favourite. I actually even love their white wine. They make a Semillon Sauvignon Blanc uh, from the traditional area, which is Pesac, and it's also delicious as well. But, yeah, the um, nowadays, I, you know, you probably buy a bottle. If you could buy a bottle, it would be about $140, $150 retail, I guess. But in, in those days, it was, yeah, you know, around the 50s. But, wow, uh, yeah, that is. That is my wine epiphany wine story today. But hey, and guess of... what? It's not on the hottest one hundred list either. No, all right, okay. Well, how are we going to do this? What is on the hottest one hundred list? Because I was having a poke around here today, and uh, it seems like as much as we spruik it, Luke Morris, our audience isn't drinking diversely. <laughs> oh, I've, no, there's there's a lot of Shiraz, there's a lot of Chardonnay. Uh, there's some Pinot. Um, I'll, 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 you know, fun fun fact: the median wine for, is uh, Piero Chardonnay. That's the wine that sits in the middle of all the. Uh, uh, if I when I uh, lay this out in, in alphabetical order, yep. Uh, there's Piero Chardonnay, but yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. I don't know uh, which wineries have gotten a lot of mentions. Tills. There's three wines from Tills. There's three wines from Torbrek. There's a few points from Pyramid, huh? got Got a couple of nods. Um, can't see anyone, any other producers who got more than one. The only – you want to know another fun fact about this list? Uh, there's one Semyon. There's two Semyons. No, there's nothing to do with Semyon. Go on. What's your fun fact? The only – and I, I like this fun fact. The only European wine mentioned is a Riesling. Oh, is it? Is that, there's a Nero Diablo? Is that an, an Australian? That was, that was grown here, though. That was grown here. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Who was the reason? Oh, JJ Pum. I yes. see it now. Boom. Oh, cool. There's a few producers I don't really know that well in here. There's actually quite a few who I do know. But Gilbert Chardonnay? Who's Gilbert? Yeah, so that is the young guy, young winemaker out of Orange. They're uh, very, he's making very distinctive wines, actually. Yeah, and who else might I not have heard? Holy Man Chardonnay, yeah, Joe Holyman out of Tassie. So they're very, very clean, um, very, very precise, cold climate stuff out of Tassie. Yeah, yummy, yummy. And this is looks like Thelma Chardonnay. There's a lot of Chardonnay I've never heard of. What a lot of Chardonnay. Thelma was a wine that I didn't, I hadn't heard of that one. Have you, have you been able to look it up or you just don't know? No, I just don't know. No, uh, uh, Nothing. Yeranga? Shiraz? Was that uh, Yangara? Yangara. Yeah, so McLaren Bale producer, top McLaren Bale producer. My opinion, their Grenache is better than the Shiraz, but their Shiraz is what they're famous for, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. The opinion's business. Everyone's got one. Um, apart from a wine that you voted for mm. in this list, what's, what's a favourite of yours? Ooh. Because um, I know you voted for the Gask. Yep. Uh, uh, and you voted for some you... other stuff, which I, I don't remember off the top of my head. 
The wine that I didn't vote for that would be one of my favourites in this whole list yeah. would be the Head Wine Brunette, which is Alex Head's top, top Grenache. Oh, right. I, I think the theme for Luke Campbell's year on Luke's Talk Wine would have to be Grenache. I've really gone back this year and rekindled my love of Grenache. Yeah, I haven't been able to um, to list this in terms of varietal. And I say some people haven't listed the varietal. They've just named the, the wine name. So, uh, Someone just <laughs> – I like this. Someone just wrote Paradox Vineyards, all of their Pinots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that helps. Yeah, yeah, that that helps. <laughs> yeah, well, bin, Bindi Pinot Noir, I also really narrows it down. Yeah, you know, um, that's yeah, that, that's fine. Michael, Michael makes five of them. Yeah, look, I, I, and I, I, I applaud you for taking part. But don't yep. no, listen. I'm not here to knock you. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of Grenaches in there that did that slightly surprises me because I I find Grenache. There's a Malbec in there as well, and I was I find that a hard yes. thing to to get people to wrap their their mouth around. But yet that's there. So there's a favourite. That's great. Yeah, it is. So, but without further ado, Morris, yep. Maury, you might want to um, reveal the number one top white and that was voted for more than once, and I'll reveal the number one top red, which was voted for more than once. Well, this is unique because I have only fleetingly heard about this producer in the last year, um, and... I don't know much about them. They, 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 in my mind, they must have popped up on the radar within the last five, ten years, maybe. That you might correct me because it's Toe Pottle. It's Toe Pottle Chardonnay. I know they're from Tasmania, but that's about all I know. Yes. Yeah, so a, a worthy uh, recipient, actually, of the hottest one hundred. So Toe Puddle Vineyards is a Hill Smith. Uh, production Adam Waterwitz makes so the guys behind Shure and Smith. Yep. Um, these guys have been around a while now. So established. These guys are established. Oh, geez. I'm going to say early '90s, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like mid '80s. Back in the Coal River for oh, a yeah. long time. A long time. They the vineyard. I'm talking about the vineyard. I think Hill Smith didn't buy the vineyard until 2012. Okay. Um, and but it's recognized as one of Australia's great single vineyard um chardonnays. Absolutely. Um Adam Waterwitz, who makes the wines, who also makes Sheeran Smith wines, is just a dead set wizard with Chardonnay. Um and the vineyard, yeah, it faces it's a northeast facing slope. It's basically the most picture perfect vineyard for Chardonnay, and uh they tend to it very lovingly. But it's always such an expressive wine, so it doesn't surprise me that it got more than one vote in our hottest one hundred. Beautiful, great, great to. Uh, I know somewhere that's got, still got some, uh, so it is well over the hundred dollar mark to purchase a bottle, though. So I um, might have to take out a loan and pay high interest rates to taste it. But um, the Red, the top red, the two votes. Red, which is also uh, in that plus $100 category. So our audience, not only are they 
drinking diversely, but they're drinking some uh, wines that are well due to cellar as well. And this wine has also has some amazing pedigree, actually, and it got voted for more than once in our Hottest 100. So it would be um, none other than the Mount Mary Quintet. When was the last time you had a glass of Quintet, Luke Morris? Oh, gosh, it'd be a while. I did have someone send me a, a picture of a bottle of Quintet. Um, it was a 2009, and they said, oh, my friend got given this a while ago. Is it past its best? And uh, I replied saying, no, it will keep. <laughs> that will keep. <laughs> yes. That's, well, that's... Generally, um, you know, generally there's a 10 to 15-year-plus wines, but it's the epitomous um bordeaux blend with all the noble varieties in it but um it's now made by sam middleton uh dr john middleton's son but um it is amazing it's these wines are are exceptional they're full fruited they're gently textured and they're just pretty amazing um i remember it would be almost a decade since i've had one i think but i remember it being uh very bordeaux in the sense of just supreme elegance just length line and length it was a scotty boland kind of maybe not with the same amount of pipe power maybe more of a glenn mcgrath sort of wine yes but you know a, a great a great exercise in yeah just power and and, and elegance yeah uh so that was our hottest 100, and that has been season three of Luke's Talk Wine. We really want to pay uh, a big thanks to you guys, the listeners, uh, and everyone who supports us either by looking us up on the socials or getting in touch via email. How do people get in touch with us, uh, Luke Morris? Well, the way you get in touch with us, the best way to get in touch with us is to go down to your local church and seek uh, some sort of divine intervention from a pastor at this time of uh, religious uh, thought and period around the Christmas period. And your pastor will say, there's only two people who can help with the world that you are seeking. And then he would send an email to lukestalkwine at gmail.com and get in contact with us. That would probably be the most direct way. Or they could email it directly instead. They don't have to go through the church system they can just talk to us there's an option and we will provide some guidance on all things wine yeah and yeah yeah. mostly wine stuff you can you can try anything else but mostly wine mostly wine but um most of all where i want to thank you Murray. uh it's been a great season actually i've really enjoyed this season and we we're thanking the listening audience but we're wishing it's, everybody it's just like the simpsons now we've done the third season is where things started to get good like the fourth and fifth season will be the best and then there will just be a slow petering out even if we keep getting renewed <laughs> Well, strap yourself in because we are renewed. We are coming back. Yeah, I've still got books to sell. Christmas rush. Buy, buy, buy one of my books. Free postage. Have, have a have a wonderful and safe summer period, everybody. Uh, we'll let you know when we're back, and we'll stay in touch via the socials over the summer break. But we'll be back for season four before you know it. Uh, That'd but be fun if anybody's drinking something over Christmas. Yes. Uh, what is it? At Luke's Talk Wine is the Instagram tag. Mm. Uh, 
tag us in the photograph and we'll give you your wine a, a, a rating out of 10 as to whether or not we actually want to be there and taste it. That's exactly what we will do. We'll, thumbs up, thumbs down, out of 10, boom. We want to be there. We don't want to be there. Yeah. If you've got yourself a gown to unwooded Chardonnay, thumbs up, 10 out of 10, want to be there. Because <laughs> nobody else can find one. No. <laughs> Get that on the auction Absolutely. circuit. Absolutely unbelievable. He's been Luke Morris. I've been Luke Campbell. You can find me at vinified underscore wine underscore services. Thank you very much for listening. Happy holidays. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Thank you, Campbell. Thank you, Maury. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au